I'm Shelly Omilade Bell, the CEO and founder of the Black Girl Ventures Foundation. This, 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 this is, is, this is, is diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have Shelly Bell. Now, you guys have seen Black Girl Ventures somewhere on Instagram, somewhere on Forbes, Maybe, like myself, you plan to go rent her TP on Airbnb next time you're in the DMV. I'm going to be there when I travel alone because my family ain't going to have it. But (laughs) Miss Bell, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. And you do so many interviews, Shelly. I don't want to ask you the same question. But I have to because I feel like you're going for sainthood in all the ventures that you do in helping Black entrepreneurs, especially women. Um, just let's start off with what is your community give back that you are doing or that you plan on doing in the future? Because you've already helped over 130 businesses. So give us the game on that. Oh my goodness. So what is my community give back? So, okay. So I'll tell you what I do at Black Girl Ventures. So at Black Girl Ventures, we work to create capital capacity and community for Black women founders. And what that means is that we, um, we, we believe that, or I believe, I believe, therefore I started this where other people understand and believe that the foundation of being successful as an entrepreneur is not just capital. You need capital, you need a community, and you need capacity. Um, and that community, having that community helps build your capacity. The key, though, that I learned, like through doing all of this, is that social capital is really the point. So, you know, even if you get access to capital, but then you don't know what to do with something, you don't know what to, uh, you don't have anybody that can float you real quick. Like the the network part of building a business is huge, and it's almost like it's mandatory. If you're going to make it to a certain level, you got to have a network. So through building Black Girl Ventures, um, I have activated a lot of my network. And and I would say, interestingly enough, and I guess I'll just, you know, I'm kind of an all-in kind of person. So I'm going to just go straight there. So <laughs> I had a, one of the founders in my in our network. Um, we She was a part of our pitch competition. So the way our competition works is different from other competitions where you pitch and then the audience actually votes with their dollars. So they, they, if they like your pitch, they donate to your pitch. And then we grant that capital back out to the founders. One of the, found, one of the competitions that we did was with a partner called Rare Beauty Brands um, in partnership with Ulta Beauty. And the winner would get an opportunity to sell on UltaBeauty.com. So, but Rare Beauty Brands would be a part of helping them facilitate that because in order to get all the things you need to be able to sell with a big box retailer, there's a lot of steps. So Rare Beauty Brands folks are allies um, and we connected as founder with them. But even when you have partners and, you know, you just don't really know. So I'm always a little bit worried. Like when I connect, I wasn't so worried about Rare Beauty Brands because they had showed us from the jump. They're like, look, we're about it. We're about allyship. We're about rocking with you and your community. And um, I connect found 
and you never know again in the past i've connected people and i may be thinking it's a good connect because it's been a good connect for me but then that person may feel like well this person said this and i was offended by that you know so you just never really know you have to be careful this particular connection was so amazing where the rare beauty brands team in order for her to get into ultra beauty and her name is kim roxy she's in houston and the name of her um the name of her company is lamique beauty they became an extension of her team so not only did they tell her what to do but they became an extension of her team in order for her to create all the things she needed to create to get into the store they also um helped her with just like understanding negotiation like how you can negotiate certain prices or negotiate certain deals and when we we did a um we did an instagram live with them last night to just talk about the partnership but then the last question was what did y'all learn from each other and one of the things that kim said and the reason why and i'm bringing this back to your question of you know what i want to give to community or what was my give back what kim said was like well i've told y'all all about how they helped me you know extend my team and figure out all of the, the logistical things practical things related to my business in order for me to get into this i told y'all how you know they helped be an extension of my team but she said the one thing though that i will say that happened during this experience is this restored my faith in allyship and this restored my, my faith in knowing she's like a lot of people during the pandemic were making announcements and I had so many meetings with people who really weren't deeply about it. But working with a rare beauty brands team who are not people of color for the most part, she's like, it really restored my faith in allyship. And I had such an emotional reaction to that because that is huge for us as people of color. That like to engage in a relationship that will help shift your how you think about allies or how you believing that good people still exist believing that there is a place that can connect you to good people that feels like a life purpose for me because a lot of you know the the, the constant narrative perpetuated to people of color around all the things you can't do can't have people won't do this for you they won't blah 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 it, it in a sense it restored her faith in humanity also right and so i think like that right there it's priceless. And had you told me when I was, you know, building that tent in my living room that I would be here now, you know, have, we have funded to date um, about 260 women. We have efforts across about 12 cities with the largest entrepreneur support organization on the East Coast. Uh, we work with Nike, Experian, Visa, uh, PayPal. We work with, you know, multiple different partners to make this happen, along with family foundations like the Knight Foundation, which is in uh, South Florida. Um, also, um, the Kaufman Foundation, the Kaufman Foundation was actually one of our first like believers. They were our first six figure grant. And yeah, I got more game to give, but I'll just say, uh, you know, I'll just say I was wild by her comment and I was deeply emotional um, about it. And I bet if we would have told you, you know, hey, this is going to happen to you in the future when you were on Section 8, you would have been, you know, like whatever you know this this isn't gonna happen which when we've all been in those situations as adults you're like how do i go to the next the next level um you know you talk about the trust and that you know people bringing back the faith 
does Black World Ventures take a cut, a portion of the businesses they help, or do they get them the funding and say, you know, go on on your way, see ya, um, talk about us, like, you know, Mayweather talks about Al Heyman. Like, how does Black Girl Ventures work when you guys work with people? Yeah, great question. So our access to capital works in a few different ways. We have the pitch competition, which from that, um, the first place wins 10K, second place wins 6K, third place wins 2K, but everybody gets some capital because essentially it's crowdfunding and pitching. We we help you crowdfund. Um, so we, we take 30% of what's raised, but from the other capital to 10K, 6K, 2K, we don't take anything from that. You get that free and clear. Um, we don't take equity through the, through the pitch competition. Um, we have a fund on the back end, a donor advised fund, which is a evergreen nonprofit fund where we will take equity in the, in the companies that we invest in. We'll make investments and take equity. And then through that, it actually is a mechanism for supporting the organization and sustainability long time, long term, because it's not a typical VC fund where it's not, um, the, the returns are not profit. The returns go back into the fund. Um, and then you can use that fund for grant purpose or investment purposes for a donor advised fund. From, we also, you also, uh, can get capital. We also grant capital through our fellowship program. So we, we have a few different fellowships. Usually are doing five cities at a time. Um, and Houston is going to be coming up. Miami is actually, uh, for this year's closing out, but we will be doing another Miami cohort. Also stay tuned because the Miami pitch competition goes live uh tomorrow actually um so with the with the fellowship you you get a 10k stipend for participating oh that's beautiful that is lovely now for those who said oh i found my my woman she can find me that money that i want what are the like number one and two things that can make you cringe when you have entrepreneurs looking for funding thinking that, you know, if I just get the capital connections, as Eddie Murphy said in life, um, I'll be good. What's that like number one or two things so people can say, hold on, I do that. Let me not bring that to Shelly when I, you know, apply. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, you're you're you are not charity. Right. So more like sometimes people lean toward like i need capital because i just i just need to do this one thing and if i just had capital i could do this one thing and it's like yeah but you're not you are not charity your business is not charity so if you're looking for investment you're looking for funding it's based on your business proposition no matter what it is if you go on sba or wherever like this is about your business proposition right because the idea is that if you give me capital i'm gonna make money I'm not just going to focus on spending money. And so sometimes people present things that say, you give me that capital, I'm going to burn through it in a month. And any funder is looking at that saying, mm -mm, burning through capital is not the impact that I want to make. So um, you cannot be eligible for, for the capital. So that means your time. That means being in a certain stage. That means, um, you know, yes, you are going to invest your own capital for some reason. People out there are thinking that they can, you know, they can just go get everybody else's capital and never spend any of their own. Like, that's not true. A lot of times as a business owner, you're going to be using your own capital. You're going to be using your 401ks. You're going to be using your, um, your, uh, your other people's retirement and your family. You can, be, <laughs> you can be borrowing money. You can be using your credit, everything that you can possibly get. Because 
what you're doing is you're proving out the business model. And you have a lot of things to learn about yourself and running your company before you go out and handle somebody else's money. And that is the key to it, right? Like you, sometimes I'm listening to pitches and the, the founder is so passionate about it that they're not thinking about the things that they have to learn that make it less of a liability for the person that will fund them. Funders think about risk mitigation all the time. Founders don't have to always think about risk mitigation, even though they should, from a business perspective, think about risk mitigation. Like starting a business is already risky. So you don't want to rope people into the riskiest point of you starting a business per se. You want to figure out how does this business make money? Is it a nonprofit? So you just want me to give to you? Or am I am I funding you so you can make more money and your business becomes sustainable. Sometimes people don't have the the focus um, that makes sense to communicate to a funder. And this is the type of knowledge that you get when you read, when you study, but you also went to one of, you know, I went to the Harvard of the South, my wife and I, Grambling State, but you went to the Harvard of the East Coast for the HBCUs. <laughs> You know, even Mark Zuckerberg came to talk about y'all to tell you about his problems. Don't worry about them. Um, but <laughs> um, talk about how the HBCU lifestyle, you know, um, focusing on the computer sciences and you're around a whole bunch of, you know, scientists. How did that prepare you to work in this business world where you have to deal with everybody? Yeah. So Sterling K. Brown uh, was who's from the, the um, Randall from This Is Us, and he plays in a lot of the things. He was the brother in um, Black Panther, the one that, um, which was um, Michael B. Jordan's dad, right? So he came to speak at the commencement for North Carolina Ante because my son just graduated from North Carolina Ante, Aggie Pride. Um, he came to speak at, a, at the commencement. He said, you know, I didn't go to HBCU but one of the things I realized about people that come from HBCUs is being in a room of all people of color is a part of your foundation. And you take that experience into every room you're in. And I, I listened to that and I was like, I actually never thought about it that way. But like I was in a, I'm in a room full of other people trying to be computer scientists. Right. So like for me, the engineer or the profile of an engineer doesn't immediately look white. I know that it's white and male because of the news and the stats. But in my mind, my friends, literally, like my best friends from college are also computer scientists. And now they are, you know, high level project managers for the government handling, you know, uh, different things behind the scenes. You know, my, my roommate is a mathematician. <laughs> she's a math major the entire time went on to get her master's in, in different types of math went on to study more math like so when people when I listen the stats don't match up to my experience all the time so I don't have to own some of those truths like I can own the truths that I've seen and I can say my foundation includes a room full of black people people of color that became engineers just like I did so I'll say there's there's that in the back of my mind and a part of how I feel like I'm able to move and what I feel like I can um, ask for, be entitled to, those types of things. Then there is the actual thought process of a engineer, which has been to be keeping it a hundred with you. My secret sauce is the fact that I can think like an engineer and I'm an artist. 
So sitting at the intersection of math and art have been uh, and like just magical for how I'm able to think about things. And it's interesting because like sometimes like artists get paid for not thinking business enough, you know, not thinking about making money enough. Um, and at first I was that way too a little bit, but because everything for me is ones and zeros, like you can program things. So marketing is just programming people how to think about you, period. That's it. Um, learning those kinds of things made me be like, oh, another thing about being a computer scientist is that everything that looks like it's happening is actually happening. So like when you log in and your computer says, welcome, Kellen, right? And then like, people are like, oh, my computer knows me. It does not. Like behind the scenes, all it's doing is somewhere you type that in. It took what you typed in that box and then saved it as a variable in another box. And then it recalls that variable every time, you know, things like learning about objects and structures where it's like, there's actually no such thing as a card. There's a type of card. <laughs> the word card is a class of things, right? And so when you start like breaking down, like, oh, you know, like one of the hardest things when I was teaching computer science to high school st students, one of the hardest things was just getting them to understand being behind the machine that does the things that we believe automatically happen every day. That was hard for them because they couldn't put their mindset in, in, in the, in the place of like, Oh, I'm now the programmer and programming has a defined set of tools. But with that defined set of tools, you can still disrupt some stuff, but you got to get over the fact that it doesn't sound like you sound. It doesn't read like you read. You might need a semicolon when you like, well, I got to put a semicolon there. Like, it does not matter why. Here are your set of tools. Program them, twist them, move them, create a new language if you want to. But it's still all based off of a like quasi English written type of uh, framework. In fact, that's interesting because that would mean I never thought of this before. That would mean that anybody who is coding actually has to learn English because I actually don't know of code being written in any other language it's not like full english english so it's not instead of like full sentences but it's still like broken english you know what i mean in a way huh yeah 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 and you know our, our friends in hindi are saying oh but you don't know i you know i okay in in, in india it's a billionaire y'all got maybe something you know a little little different a little more complex but coding is definitely you know has its english components you know you talking like this, somebody will say, hold on, where did she come from? I don't meet people like this that look like me. And then, you know, in the beginning, um, Amalade, you have your own street named after you in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm pushing that rumor like it, it's not there. Yeah, there's, there's a street in Nigeria. So, so talk about your super eagle connection and shout out to all the Nigerians out there. Yeah, awesome. So I uh, practice Yoruba culture. And so after I did my first initiation, I actually got the name then, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily go by it publicly. And more recently, I started to go by that full. So Shelly Omilade Bell and part of it. So sh the word Shelly means meadow on the ledge. Omilade means water that clears the path. And bell is a sound. So when I think about like all of these three things together, like 
land, water, and sound. They, they, they're all there for movement sake, all there for providing space, um, all there for, uh, like I said, movement. And so I'm like, all of these things are exactly who I am. You know, and and I'm not the woman that my mother birthed, you know, and so like my motto is resist being average. And I think so what I mean by it is you're not the sum total of every experience you've had. And that's it. Like, that's not all that you are. And that, you know, pulling together your intuition and your vision, only you have your eyes and only you can see what you can see sometimes. And other people may not understand it because believe me, when I was gathering that wood to build that tent in my living room, the the dudes at Home Depot was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I'm about to build this tent, put it in my living room and I'm going to rent it out. And they're like, nobody's going to sleep in your living room. I'm like, yes, they will. Like, you know, everybody thought I was crazy. Um, and But everybody's always thought I was crazy for ideas that I've had. So I actually have gotten used to people. That, in fact, if you don't think I'm crazy, then I'm like, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> But crazy understands crazy. So to me, I'm like, hey, she's normal. She's talking her truth. That's how she feels. That's the vibe. Roll with it or get rolled over. Now you right. talked about you artists. Um, let the people know because they say you, you do art on them outfits in your hair. But what is the first book? Is it gonna be poetry or gonna have an album? Is it a painting? What what what's the art that you love to practice? Oh yeah. So so one, I've lived many lives, but prior to Starting Black Revengers prior to launching the business that previous, uh, right before Black Revengers, which is a print shop, I uh, did performance poetry, and um, and I got pretty, you know, well known for it. And I have two albums on album music that I never talk about, by the way. Um, so my poetry name was She Seven, so that's there. And then I am Shelly Bell. Or Shelly Bell 2.0. Either one, they're they're on they're on Apple Music now. But I, I rarely talk about them. I still do perform poetry um, sometime. I mean, there's a poem that we say at the beginning of every Black Girl Ventures Bitch competition. Um, because when like I'm setting the tone for what you're about to see. And without these women have to tell their full stories on lack of this or lack of that and needing this and needing that. You know, we use art as a form of communication. And so we use the the poem to set people up to understand what they're about to see and what type of energy they need to be in to prepare to engage with the women that we're putting in front of them. Because we want you to know, like, you're here to help. Like, you're here to be a catalyst. Um, You're not just here to watch. Okay, so she's seven. Now, you guys weren't featured on HBO in the 90s and in 2000s, were you? You know where I'm going. No, I wasn't. By the time I came along, that era was kind of wrapping up. Okay, okay. Now, with the art, will we ever see something? Because now you have, you know, your NFT, so your poems could be, you know, a million, billion dollar crypto type thing. This is where my mind goes. I got to ask you, is there any plan to express that art using this new, you know, technology and what everyone loves to say to sound smart, the blockchain? (laughs) I would say yes. So I'm actually having those conversations now, like on the back end about um, what would that look like? Because so in the nonprofit space, nobody's really figured it out. But I um, also have, you know, other companies. So I may, you know, thinking about like, could we do something with certain products, you know, certain kinds of art, certain like 
I, yeah, I'm absolutely thinking about it. I have not journeyed into it deeply. I have a couple of friends that that do things. We also have a woman in our portfolio who was actually a part of our Nike pitch competition who uh, does uh, like skins and that she sells through um, that are NFTs and she's heavily in the NFT market. So she's been kind of schooling me on it too. I think, I think it's a great idea. I mean, especially when I think Gary V is one that I've seen play with kind of like the more tangible and cryptic in the crypto. So he's doing like, you know, if you, he has like V friends, then you buy the V friend, but the V friend doesn't only get you just a piece of art. That's the V friend. It actually gets you um, time with him or it gets you access to one of his conferences or, you know, it gets you something physical as well. So, um, and, and I will say like Gary V and his company are one of those folks where like, they want to put you up on game. So like they did, um, some outreach to say like, Hey, we'll have a session on how to use NFTs as, um, you know, for small businesses and nonprofits. So we were able to be a part of, you know, going and, and observing, getting some information on it. So none, you know, nonetheless, the answer is yes, we will, but I'm not there yet. Okay. Now, are you there yet with taking Black Girl Ventures to Nigeria? We talk about America, 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 but more and more of us are going back to Africa more than ever, getting even citizenship from certain countries. Um, you know, and Nigeria is actually one of those that you can get your citizenship if you're connected. Um, is Black Girl Ventures going to Let's Abu Dhabi and Lagos? Yeah, you just got you got. I mean, Africa. It's Africa. You know. Uh, yeah. You know uh, yes, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was actually supposed to go there. Speaking of knowing, I was supposed to go there, go to Nigeria on the fourth of October through the twelfth, but um, I ended up I ended up postponing it a little bit because of all the things that you know happen when you go to Nigeria. So, um, <laughs> you know, getting a getting a visa over there is crazy. But I actually. So wait, let me back up. Yes, too. We're taking Black Avengers International and we're looking at parts of um, Africa. We're also looking at Latin America. Also, the UK is a place that has that we've had lots of conversations. Um, Bermuda is a place where I've actually worked with entrepreneurs. So I've worked with entrepreneurs in a few different places. I've spoken Bermuda. I've spoken in Korea. I've spoken in um, Oman. Uh, uh, so there's a I've spoken in Lagos, working entrepreneurs there. So I think we are looking at what it would mean to go national. I mean, go international. Now, a couple of things that shift when you do this is where crypto could be helpful is that the money processing is different across borders. So us being able to raise money for a person who lives actually in Nigeria means something different, you know, in terms of like how we would be able to get the money to them. You need partners on the ground. You need, um, you know, some you know, people who will handle it safely. Um, so there's all those kinds of things that we have to think about. I mean, I, and, and I don't, I don't mean safely. I don't want to paint a picture that overseas is unsafe because I think that, that America has done that to black people enough. Whereas like, Oh, you're not going to be safe. That's not what I mean. I just mean that following the laws we have to follow as a nonprofit and following the delivery of the capital in a way that's equitable. It, we got more work to do there, but we're, we we want to figure it out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and part of that safety too is making sure you know taxes and all that, and you know um, El Salvador. Exactly, the business side. Yeah, El Salvador, you know, and all the the, the black and brown, 
brothers there, um, I'm sure they love this. Say, hey, yeah, send us the Bitcoin. We can accept it. Our country is open, um, you know, very open, similar to places like Malta that are, are, are beautiful. And let me ask, though, with pushing to, let's say, to the African market, is there any plan for you to maybe, you know, live over there and set up businesses? Because I don't know if you've been to Africa yet, but when you go, yeah. things are so much easier to do if you have a couple coins to put together, you know, and it's not bribe. It's just appreciation um, because you got to appreciate the people when you come in. It's like paying toll. So do you have a connection where maybe you say, I want to live in Lagos with the other 20 million people or on Victoria Island? So I don't necessarily. I'm just, I'm just looking crazy on this camera. I, was I don't. I'm like, forget it. We just listen, okay? I can't get right now. But um, I. So we have another woman in that we worked with down in Florida in Tampa, who is building in Kenya. And so she and I have been having some conversations. I haven't actually looked into what it means to build in Nigeria. Um, because in Nigeria, it might be a little bit more challenging because the laws don't necessarily protect um, some of the property owners. So there's you would have to have somebody living there to actually like uh, make sure that they're monitoring it and things like that. There's some other parts of Africa, though, that are a little bit better with it. And so, um, you know, also looking at Ghana, looking at Kenya, looking at, you know, what other parts of the continent make sense. But I would say 100 percent. Absolutely. Is something that I'm thinking about. And I mean, even thinking about getting out of this country uh, or having dual citizenship or being able to have somewhere else to go, I think we all should be thinking about that really strongly. Preach that. That's the type of talk we like to hear. How can we help you if someone is listening in Kenya, uh, you know, Mambo, Uhaligani, to those who are in Kenya, um, or if they're in Malawi and they want to say, hey, I want one of those places here, Mulibonji to Malawi. How can they reach out and what do they need to do? Do they need a certain amount of money to be able to host you? Do they need to have their like team and entrepreneurs already together? What's that process like? You know what? First, reach out and let's talk because and, and, and I want to I want to be clear on that part first, because sometimes, uh, you know, in American culture, we might hear something. We'll reach out anyway and be like, oh, I don't really got the money or entrepreneurs, but I want to do it. I'll reach out. But, you know, if I, t if I start giving you a bunch of criteria, then sometimes people in other countries will say, I don't meet that criteria, so let me not um, <laughs> let me not reach out until I meet it, right? So one, I want to just say, you know, don't worry about any of that. We will figure it out. The first things first is actually us reach reaching out and having a conversation. So you can always reach Black Girl Ventures at contact, and we check this inbox. So contact at blackgirlventures.org. Um, you, yeah, reach out to us there and then we can start having a conversation because we will have to figure some things out. It is more helpful if you do have a network of entrepreneurs that be ready or some reach into entrepreneurial, uh, organizations or where we can find founders that would engage in an activation. But, you know, first step is to just reach out and say, Hey, I'm interested in, you know, X country and let's just have a conversation. Well, Shelly has shown you, you can do this as a woman, a black woman, a mother, a traveler, and you don't have to hold back. So I want you to let them know where you want them to follow you and tap in and have those educated questions or requests. 
where can they find you at? Yeah, you can find me at I am Shelly Bell. That's everywhere. I'm Shelly Bell. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook as well. Facebook is the Shelly Bell. Um, but if you go to I am Bell.com, you can find the link to all those places. Um, so yeah, definitely reach out. You know, I am very active on social media, so I'm always checking DMs. That's actually a place you can get me fairly quickly. Um, so at I am Shelly Bell, I-A-M-S-H-E-L-L-Y-B as in boy, E-L-L. You guys have been blessed by the game. Make sure you share this with someone. It will change their life. Be blessed. Hi, guys. I'm Kai Gabiam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is my first trip to Africa, a course well put together by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.diversifygame.com. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.